welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. You know, when I was um, growing up, my family was of a certain practicing religion that had um, a gentleman that led services and he had, you know, the white collar and everything. And we called him the priest, you know, the priest, you know. And so I've been thinking about that. You know, God talks to me in scriptures and then I go and I see what his emphasis is on it. And so he's been talking to me about the scripture. You probably have read it in 1 Peter 2, 9, where he says that you are a kingdom and a nation of kingdom and priests set, set apart to me. And, you know, that's not just there. That's in the Old Testament. You know, that's in the New Testament. That's in Revelation. And so he has this um, consistent desire for you to be his priest. And see, what happens is we, um, we've been taught that the holy man, there's only one holy man and everybody else is the congregation. And they're the priest. And that makes us inactive in the way that God wants us to be active. And so I need you to change your mind tonight. I need you to say, I'm a priest. I'm the priest. And thank you that I don't have to wear that, wear that collar. But I'm a priest. Thank you that I don't have to wear that collar. Okay. So, you know, I was um, thinking about in, when God called a specific people out to himself, which were the Israelites, and he brought them to the mountain before him to meet with him and to know him. Um, what was interesting was some people wanted to stay afar off, which we've talked about before, and some people wanted to come close. And so it's interesting. I was just thinking about, I, th I think God's heart was for every person that was an Israelite to have been a priest in the priesthood to have had access to him, to have been up close and personal, to, to serve him, to be able to uh, be intimate with him and, and contact him and to know him. And so it, it seems like that has never changed for him. And so what I wanted to talk to you about is, since you are a priest, you already changed your mind, right? You are a priest. You already changed your mind. So since you are I was wanting to talk to you about the role of a priest. You know, when you go to a, a, a job interview and you say, okay, what's this job about? And they say, you're going to carry a lot of heavy tools around and you're going to demo some stuff and you're going to get to use power tools. You know, they could say a lot of things. And then you could say, well, I really think I would like to do that job. And so you like the role that they want you to play. And so you say, hmm, yes, I'd like to do that. It's kind of like the priesthood. The priesthood has a function and a role for you to play. 
And so you want to know what that is so you can do it. I want to read you this first little section of scriptures about, um, and I want you to hear it through deep, deep, deep intimacy and heart cry. Okay? This is Exodus 19, 4 through 6 in the voice. This is what I want you to say to the house of Jacob, to all the people of Israel. You are eyewitnesses of all that I did to the Egyptians. You saw how I snatched you from the bonds of slavery and carried you on eagle wings and brought you to myself. That sounds like somebody who's serious about a relationship, who went through a lot of effort with the agenda to bring you close. Now, if you will hear my voice, now we've been talking about covenant. If you will hear my voice, obey what I say, and keep my covenant, then you, out of all of the other nations of the world, will be my treasured people. After all, the earth belongs to me. You will be my kingdom of priests and a nation holy and set apart for me. That's pretty cool. It sounds like in God's passion, he said, I want to rescue you from where you are, take you out of the pit and the miry clay, and I want to set you on a rock next to me, and I want to teach you how to be who you are. And you only are who you are because of who you're next to. Right? I mean, you know, the old thing about with me, without me, you know. We, we know the difference even on a daily basis when we're out from under with me for a moment. We can go, oh, yeah, I can feel that. We can get back in. So as he's just saying, you will be my kingdom of priests, it sounds like he really is wanting to have a covenant, unique, special relationship with a group of people. And so if you say, that looks like a really good covenant to me, I would like to marry you, Jesus, you can say, I say yes to that. I will hear your voice. I will obey what you say. And I will keep your covenant. I'll stay close. And I will be your special people. And you will be my God. You know, as priest, you have, in my opinion, two major roles. That makes me hungry, roles. Sorry. <laughs> you have two major roles. Um, one of them is to minister to God, and the other one is to minister to people. And you, you see which one was not on the list, right? I mean, you know, you know how to care for yourself well, but I'm just saying as a priest... You're fulfilling a role. And so, you know, Jesus is the model. I love in, you know, John, what he does is he 
comes and he lives with everybody and says, this is what the father looks like. He's really patient and training and modeling and displaying. And then he says, I'm about to go, to, go away. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to serve you. The king of kings gets on his knees and wipes your feet to serve you. That is really what his life looked like. If you could say this one moment, and you put it broadly across his life, that's what his life looked like, didn't it? <clears throat> and so he said, I want to serve you because I need you to know who you are. I'm going to say that again because it's important. I'm going to serve you because I need you to know who you are. I'm going to serve you with my life because I need you to know who you are. I need you to know who you are to me and the important role you play in the earth. And so... When he washed their feet, you know, when they were singing that song, I was thinking about when they were saying, I have a king who prays for me. I was saying, man, that's really great because sometimes I have purchased something that was valuable to me and it was valuable for a little bit. And then I kind of got over it. You know what I mean? But no, not Jesus. He said, no, I'll go down. I'll lay it all down. I'll live a life and I'll rescue and save and deliver. I'll resurrect and then I will see it all the way through because you're valuable to me and I never want you to not know that. It's a, it's a continual care. Do you get that? It's not like you said, okay, I died for you. I rose. It's finished. But apparently... That's not good enough for him. Because he's still in heaven on the mercy seat before the Father, praying, 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 praying over you. Because you're valuable to him. You're important to him. And so I really love that, don't you? He is relentless, he's not a quitter. He is relentless. And so in the priesthood, you know, what happens is it said a kingdom of priests in some translations say kings and priests. And so either way you look at it, both of those are acceptable. But in the Old Testament, generally the priest would hear from God and anoint the king. I like the way that rolls out, don't you? And you know what's also cool about that is once God tells the priest who it is, the priest anoints the king, the king becomes king. What happens then is the priest begins to tutor the king in the ways of God. And so they would take the writings from the scrolls of the words of God and they would go daily and they would read them to the king because it was important for the king to rule the people according to God's heart. 
And so translate that to you. He wants you to rule as a king according to his heart. So you're going to have to know his ways. Now, <clears throat> the priest, I love, I love what they do. Minister to God. That is not a job, is it? You know, the other day I was worshiping, just loving on him, and I was sitting there, and I had this thought come sideways. You know how one will come in here sideways, you know? And it said, you'll get a reward for doing this right now. And I said that I'm not looking for a reward. I'm not doing, a re I don't need a reward. You can keep a reward. I'm doing, I'm just right here because I love you. And so, you know, yes, he's a rewarder, absolutely, without question. And he says it in the word, you must know that. But I'm never going to chase after a reward through, you know, to, through him to get a reward. It's kind of like, you know, Shooty, she's such a pure heart that whenever we do stuff at our house, we'll pay them for doing stuff at our house, you know, because they're working there. And Shooty will say sometimes, I don't want to, I don't want to get paid for that. So what she's saying, she's saying in my heart, I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful that I just want to just honor and serve and give and you don't have to pay me for that. It's kind of, you get that kind of what I'm saying, even with God, you know what, God, I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it for love. I'm doing it for gratitude. I'm doing it because you saved me and who I, you know, who, who I am and who you've made me to be. And so I love the purity of what that looks like. And yeah, he is a rewarder. I mean, we're going to have lots of them. But the point is keeping it pure. Keeping it pure. A kingdom of priests. <clears throat> priests exist to serve God's agenda. You already said yes to his heart, right? And they sh the people and the priests should bear witness to God's character as they carry him out to the world. Love it. Don't you? Love it. So that's our job. That's my job. People, uh, priests are special people allowed into his presence. Think about Old Testament. Think about some could come, some could not. You as a priest, you get to come. You have access. You get to come close. You have no, you are not denied. <clears throat> special people are allowed into his presence. These special people are allowed to know and experience him. I love that, don't you? When I just get down low and I just say, I just invite you to come and encounter you. I love when a revelatory thing happens and then it teaches my mind truth. Come on. I love that when that happens. So special people are allowed into his presence to get to know him. Special people, these priests are allowed to petition him for others. I love that, don't you? That's kind of what we're doing, isn't it? We're getting turned on to being some priest and being the go-between 
and knowing his heart and asking him for things. Special people are allowed to experience his glory and his goodness. You know what's lovely? That word just came out. You know what's lovely? I had no word and then lovely came out. You know what is, is lovely is that he really loves to be known. He really has a heart to be known. And he wants you to know it. I, d I wanted to read it, but again, I've got all this and I'm trying to fit it into this. And so I'm going to just throw this out there for somebody who's interested in it. I love if you read Isaiah 61 in the Passion because it talks about, the first section talks about Jesus, his mission. My mission is to get my people. That's my mission. I'm going to go back. I'm going to get my people. I'm going to bring my people close. That's my mission. That's the mission. Then he talks about once I've done that, I've got my people, and I've done all this amazing stuff to free them, and I bring them close. It was that thing you were saying that um, we are in the land of the free, and you are my king. I was thinking about submitting to his kingship is what makes you free. There's another good definition change, you know, right there. That because he is who he is, when we submit to him, then we start to have freedom, start to have breakthrough. Every place that we can submit to him, we have freedom. Because that just means that, and if you read that in Isaiah 61, there's no brokenness, there's no darkness, there's no captivity. He frees you from the captivity as you surrender to him because he's the one that the enemy can't get past. Know what I mean? So, his mission, he freed you to bring you close. The second part is the Messiah's ministers. I think y'all are singing about that a little bit. What is the reason that you've been freed and restored? To tell everybody your story. And then I love this. The last part of that cha chapter talks about the Messiah's music. It talks about how I vibrate with joy and explosiveness about how the result of all that happens. But what's cool in the middle section in uh, the Messiah's ministers, it talks about the Gentiles because you get born again you are wearing the glory. Then other Gentiles who don't know him experience the glory. Then they are turned on and they are filled with the glory. And it starts talking about how all of that ministry looks. And then I love how happy it makes Jesus and us too. That we start to celebrate. Just it says the Messiah's music of all of that process that goes on right there. So that's in Isaiah 61, if you want to read that. And if you look in the TPT, there's um, he's talking about, I freed you and then I planted you next to me. And if you look up that footnote, this is what it says. He's, so, he's such a lover. He says, 
the reference is Psalm 92, 13, to him planting you next to him. Think about the safety. See, I'm talking about the safety. When you're out here, but he goes and gets you, and he brings you close, and he never, 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 never lets you go, and he intercedes for you continuously, and he plants you next to him. It says, oh God, you have transplanted me into your heavenly courtyard where we are thriving daily with you. That thriving is only coming because of what the Messiah's mission was accomplished in you. And so now he positions you to thrive with him. You do get that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the life we're talking about. That eternal life is being infused into you. Um, gosh, I have a little bit of time. Okay, we're talking about your role as a priest, right? Are you with me? Um, Revelation 5.10 and the TPT. You have made them a kingdom. This is what Jesus did. I love this. So he talked about you are, this is my desire in the Old Testament. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I want you to be a kingdom of priests. He's saying it way back in Exodus. I have a desire for a people. This is what I desire for this people to look like. He's saying it. He's saying it. He's saying it. He's saying it in the New Testament. Then he's saying it in Revelation. And in chapter 5, Jesus goes, gets the scroll for the finality of everything to be completed. And he's saying it again. Okay, so this is what this is, Revelation 5. You have made them to, you have made them a kingdom. You have appointed them priest to serve our God, and they will rule upon the earth. I'm just saying, you, there, there's no room for smallness. You might as well just get over that, and let's just be the priest. You know, and you can't get over it if you focus on things besides Jesus. I, I love that in the apprehended identity where he just nailed it with simplicity. If you had to wrap up the whole gospel in one word, the word's got to be Jesus. So if you're making anything in your life other than about Jesus, then you're probably off track. Priests have been appointed to serve God and to rule. They are positioned again to do what? Two things. Yes, minister to God and minister to people. You know what? I love to do that. Sometimes in the morning it's real busy. You know, there's stuff starts coming. I mean, you just open your little peepers. You're just trying to, you know, start waking up and then, you know, all kinds of stuff's happening. So you really have to be a good boundary setter. And kind of get decide what you're going to do. And I love really just to minister to him before I do anything. I just love that. Just love that. It's just simple. You know, it's that purity where, you know, I'm not looking for a reward. I'm not looking for you to make me have a good day today. I real, You're worthy. You're worthy. It's just bottom line. You're just worthy. You're just worthy. And I love when it says, give the Lord what's due his name. He's, he's worthy. So let's obey that. We said we would obey, didn't we? He's worthy. So minister to the Lord, minister to people. 
I had read this. Uh, this one guy was talking about what that could look like, and I liked it, so I'm going to read it to you. I'm sorry, but I don't remember your name, so I can't give you credit, but I am saying some other dude. <laughs> Not me. Who then does God show are the most important persons in the overall welfare of the earth, of the community, of the state, of the nation? It is not the doctors, the lawyers, the politicians, the businessmen, but it is the priest and it is the king because they teach, they administer, they exemplify, and they provide the values upon which the communities will function. God expects these values of these nations to be his. That's your role. To know him and to make him known. So, you know, we're not looking for an other entity to do that. We know him. Nobody can do that like us. If we are a kingdom of priests, we are to be ruled by covenant and by communion. It sounds really easy to me. Does it sound easy to y'all? It sounds so easy to me. If you're going to fulfill this role, you're going to have to be held in communion and covenant. I know what you did for me. I know what that means. I know what that says. I know what that gives me permission to do. I know what authority I have. And then I'm communing, communing with you. <laughs> My tongue is feeling fat. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. So, <laughs> you, you get your role that you are the one. You're the one. And through that um, intimacy or through that connection, then that's the anointing oil that beautifies you and gives you the fragrance and teaches you how to minister with his heart. So, let's, man, let's, we're doing so good. We're doing so good. Let's stay in covenant. Let's stay in communion. All right, not to be a downer, but let's talk about what might personally keep you from being a priest. Yes, Tessa says. I like Tessa, she's so enthusiastic. What keeps you from fulfilling your covenant role as a priest? Ministering to him and ministering to people. What keeps you from doing that? Just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Is there anything keeping me from doing that? If you, if you heard something, did it fall outside of the category of covenant and communion? So we want to surrender. We want to surrender. You can't get there by fighting your way through. You get there through surrender. So surrender. 
give up that territory and let him occupy it. You know, there, if he said, come boldly to the throne of grace, then there's no room for condemnation. Right? Guilt, shame, any of that. There's no room for that. So a priest who approaches boldly probably has a really good understanding of what Jesus did in the new covenant that he extended. And so he really wants you to operate from that. You know, one thing that I um, find that keeps people um, from experiencing the fullness um, and the sometimes intimacy with God. There's that fat tongue again. What's that thing you do when you warm up? Um, I should have warmed up, I guess, with the worship team, but I didn't. I'll, next time I'll do that. Remind me. Remind me for that. Is um, people who perceive themselves to be in lack. Got a clap on that. Right? Just think about the last time you did that. When you were like, oh, I don't feel like anybody likes me. <laughs> Nobody sees me today. I just got the dirty job. I always just do the dirty job. You know, think about when the last time is you did that. really took you out of your connection and your powerfulness right so if you find yourself there get back f a s t fast as you can through surrender and repentance say i just surrender you know sometimes i don't know this might be shocking but i am a humanoid so it might be safe ground to share Sometimes, you know, if I am thinking, oh, somebody gets to do something and I don't. Let's just throw that one out there. That seems to be a big one. If you stay there very long, I'm talking about lack. When you perceive yourself to be in lack and you go with pity, that means that you are outside of your covenant stronghold. And sometimes I need help to come to my senses. And I'm grateful for that, whether it's sweet or whether it's strong. I'm grateful for that. And sometimes I can come to my own senses and I can just get low. I mean, I just love that. You know, when I had the COVID, I shouldn't tell too many stories. When I had the COVID, can't stop myself. When I had the COVID... I kind of got gunky, you know, it's kind of like you got gunky and, you know, you, you were just trying to breathe, you know, and so you didn't really do a whole lot because you were just trying to breathe. That's what you were doing. Just breathing was what you were doing. And, you know, I felt like I'd kind of got, got a little gunked up kind of, and I was sitting there in my bed one day. I thought, man, you know, I feel like I've kind of got gunked up. I feel, I don't feel that connection. 
And so I've, I don't, I've learned an, enough along the way somewhere because I've just been here a while that I just got down on my face. On my, I just rolled out of my bed. And I just got down on the carpet and I just laid out and I said, oh God, I just feel like something's going on with me that my soul is so gunked up and I don't feel connected and I just surrender and I invite you to come. Here he came. And then he came. And then I got refreshed. We just got back on track, you know, skipping along. So when I, I'm just saying that whenever we're in any lack, whether it's, you know, poor thinking or agreeing with something or whether it's by happenstance, it really doesn't matter. Anytime you find yourself in lack, you should have the core value that you have a heavenly father who has all that you have need of. Because he said, it's my pleasure, little children, to give you the kingdom. That's, you've got to get that as a core value. It's my pleasure. See, we think that God's way down the hall of a long corridor behind these big wood doors that are probably that ugly reddish red mahogany. I'm sure of it. Behind red mahogany doors and a room that's got wood all the way around it with a big leather chair sitting at a desk with his hands folded. And to get to him, we had to walk the long corridor. And we're like, oh, he's probably going to be in a bad mood when I get there. You know, we've, we have that attitude with him sometimes like he's not wanting to give us the kingdom. It's my pleasure. If you have that mindset, you just got to say, I repent, right? Everybody just say it. I repent forever thinking that about you because you are a good father, has everything I need, and you're happy to give it to me. So he's delighted. I'm delighted. It's a father who's delighted to give you what you need. So that's kind of a danger zone that will take you out of your role is any time that you're acting like you're in lack and you're forgetting that you've got this good, good father right here that you have access to and is delighted to give you what you need. So we, we don't want to forget that. Be good on that? <laughs> Do I want to say that? One way that you can tell if you are functioning healthily Man, he's helping me with words tonight. So cool. It's like I'll just start something. I don't have a word, and he just fills it in. Healthily would be, you want to know your health status, right? Like I got this sleep app, and, you know, it tells me in the morning, like how I did. You'll pray for me to quit snoring because I snore, like, all the way through. So, you know, you pray for that. But I have this sleep app. 
And it's, you know, your heart rate, how much you snore, how many hours you got, how many was light sleep, deep sleep, blah, blah, blah. Is that good for you, bad for you? He's kind of trying to give you a health status. So, you know, we can look at some health status of some things and we can say, hey, you know what? I could come a little deeper in covenant. So one of those things are, is the way we can worship can indicate how we know him. I'm glad nobody's here who was offended by that. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, you know, when, when you're in lack, or you're feeling like you're in lack, you're not real worshipful or having much adoration. You know what I mean? You're usually irritated, you know. And so that can be an indicator and so you got to roll off your bed. You got to get low. You got to say, oh, you know, this is what I've got. I exchange it. Would you come? And he'll help you. You're not going to be able to function well like a priest if we're not healthily maintaining our position where he says, I went and rescued you and I got you back with the single purpose of bringing you close to me and I planted you right next to me and I intercede for you constantly. We don't ever want to get outside of that. And if we do, we just have to ask him to help us. Okay, I want to open up a can of worms. You ready? Yeah. We just, we just got to open at least one can of worms tonight, don't we? Okay, let's open it. Do it with me. Look at them in there. All right, there you are. There you are. All right, here we go. Love your enemies. We have to train ourselves according to the word to be able to have a right heart positioning constantly to be able to minister to people. So one thing I just want to hit, uh, Matthew 5, Jesus is trying to explain sort of what we were saying earlier. Religion says you can come this far relationally and you can interact with people a certain way and that's okay. If you just don't commit adultery. And Jesus is like, oh gosh, it's really about the heart. It's really about your heart. What are the inner workings of, Jesus is like, what are the inner workings of your heart is what I'm concerned about. And so on this, if we want to be like our father, he says, your ancestors have been taught, love your neighbor and hate the one who hates you. We do that sometimes, don't we? We're nice to people who's nice to us. If they're not nice to us, we're kind of a little bit crappy or we'll tell somebody about, can you believe so-and-so did some, some, you know. However, let me reshape, let me take that, reshape it. I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you, and respond to the very one who persecutes you by praying for them. Talking about being priests, ministering to God, ministering to people. For that will reveal your identity. 
as sons and daughters. Oh, Holy Spirit. That's what we want to say in the Oh, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help us. And so if we're going to play this role or accept this role and we stay in covenant and we stay in communion, we'll have the nurturing and we'll have what we need to be able to do what feels sometimes bigger than us. But he's just saying, you've got to learn my ways because the way that you respond shows it will reveal your identity as children of your father. So, you know, you can reveal your identity by the way that you respond to situations. And generally that, you know what, I mean, just simply spoken, generally, the difference is, are you thinking about you? Or are you thinking about the other person and what the father wants to do? I mean, that's really, I mean, so simple. Simple. I mean, when we're thinking about us, we want to get everybody and them treat us right and you know what I mean? All of that kind of stuff. And so if you want to reveal your identity, then you want to pray. That doesn't mean you don't ever have boundaries or address things. You know, like Teresa did the other day with the people parking. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, it's not that, but I'm just saying is that we have got to learn his heart and we have got to to partner with him to respond in situations through our identity. You know, you don't have to treat me perfect, you could say, because I'm already secure with my father. So that's one way that we want to reveal our identity is by the way we show up in situations. Okay, I love this. I'm sorry if y'all are getting tired, you can stand up, you can pop up. Stretch it out, sit back down. First Thessalonians 5.14. I love this because it says, pray without ceasing. Now, thank you for praying for our ears so we could hear that correctly. So, you know, when I heard that originally, you know, and I took it literal, pray without ceasing. It's like, that is never going to happen. That's really what he's saying is if you're in covenant and you're in communion, the prayer or the, the conversation is your awareness, your constant awareness of your connection with him. And then a priest can accurately see the one that he's beholding, then you can be changed and then you're going to represent him well. So pray without ceasing. Let's consider that. Here's another definition. Relating closely in all manner of your relationship with, with the Godhead and engaging with him intimately and about your priestly position. So I mean, I don't think we practice that. We try to practice that. We try to we practice our awareness. We have worship going. We are prayerful. We pray in tongues. I'm just saying that as a priest, you're a coverer. You're a coverer. And if you keep that active, what happens is 
some things that might surprise you or throw you off, you will be able to see through or around before it comes if you're staying healthily there. Does that make sense? All right. You know, I love the gift of speaking in tongues because there's so much. Sometimes I'll be singing and I'll just telling, telling him what I'm thinking. And then it's like, sometimes I just get to a point. I have no words. So then it just kicks in. You know what I mean? To just praying in tongues. And so, I mean, I really love that gift, don't you? You know, that, that is such, such an amazing gift. You know, we don't know how to pray. It's a perfect prayer. If you're, if you want to activate yourself, then get that spirit man activated, praying in tongues. I love that. You can pray the perfect prayer. Just by speaking in tongues. Isn't that awesome? I would think a priest would have that in his pocket, don't you think? In his tool bag. Okay, now let's just wrap it up, shall we? As priests who are ministering to God and ministering to people, you have everything that you need. I have everything that I need. I have everything that I need. I have everything that I need. Why do you have everything that you need? Because you have him. You're planted right next to him. He lives in you. You know his voice. You have everything you need. You have everything you need. So here's a couple of scriptures I want to leave with you. You have a, a, you have a father who invites you to ask of him. This is called prayer. I already said the one, Luke 12, 32. I am so delighted, little children, to give you my kingdom. I mean, if you feel lack or you feel um, insecure or you feel not a, up for the moment, it's a really good one. Yeah. Just go out before you, you know. You are delighted to give me the kingdom right here in this situation. Um, I love this one. Do I say that about all of them? Here's another good one about that. John 16, 24. Jesus is saying to his disciples, up until now, you have not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. I want to have you come pray that prayer too about boldness and audacity when we get through. Just giving you a heads up. Until now, you have not been bold enough to ask the Father. And you know, why are we not bold? You know how many times she says, ask, 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 ask. You know, it gets weird when you try to get things that you're wanting and you're doing a workaround, God. That's when it gets weird. You can go read about that in James. I think it's in chapter 4. Or you have a strife and arguing and blah, blah, blah with each other and you don't have because you don't ask. 
I mean, that's where it gets weird. And then if you ask, you're asking with the wrong motive. You know what? That That is not the category that we're in. We are surrendered lovers. And so he is saying, I want you to ask me for things. You, I have positioned you. I have given you all the rights, so come to me. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are so amazing. Ask in my name. And now I want you to ask and keep on asking. Just always ask. How about we how about we just always ask? Daddy, be good to this person. Here. Daddy, bless that person. Here. Oh, daddy, would you show up at work? Oh, daddy, anoint so-and-so for some, some, some. Oh, dad, you know what I mean? Ask and keep on asking. And you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for. And your joy will have no limits. Mm-hmm. Covenant. John 13. We already talked about this a little bit. But Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Then he goes to the cross and he resurrects for us. Then he introduces us to the Father connection. And now we have permanent access to the kingdom. So let's start asking. The only reason you wouldn't ask is if you weren't aware of what covenant you're in and how well loved you are. I just can't say it enough. It's my pleasure. The Father is not down the corridor in that big red mahogany room behind the desk. He is so full of delight and joy and pleasure. Please, Ask of me because there's so much that I want to give. So the priesthood's pretty cool. It's cool. Priesthood's cool. So Sarah Lynn had a word when I was reading that. I was thinking about Sarah Lynn's word the other day that she received where he was talking. Did y'all read that word where he was talking about being bold and audacious? And so I want to have her... Um, speak into that however she wants to because I just feel like something's on that. Do you mind to come up here and do that? Well, I love, it's so great that you talked about priesthood because I think just in being bold, you know, the priests aren't weak and sheepish, you know, so it's really just, it's our destiny to ask anything and he'll give it. You know, I, I, I was thinking about him saying the line of the tribe of Judah resides in us and thinking about lions Lions aren't weenies. They're at the top of the food chain. You know, they, they're the ones that everything else is afraid of. And so what if we were to consider ourselves the lions? Think of, think of everything that's afraid of you. Think of all of the demonic that is afraid of you. They know that you're at the top of the food chain. 
They know it. They get it. They understand it. But they bank on us not getting it or understanding it. So I think this is just a season that he's asking if we want to really go out and, and take some risks. Are you willing to maybe look stupid? Are you willing to put it all out there and just see what happens? Yes. You know, that's where he is. He's in the risk. He's in the risk. And so I just want to pray over us because, you know, it's we're going to get what we give. We're going to get what we give. If we just want to give a little, we'll get a little. But if we want to go out on the line and really ask for the great things, ask for the deep things, ask for the scary things, ask for the things that make you a little bit nervous, that's where he'll be. You know, it's whenever we come to the end of ourselves, that's where we find him. So if that's you, let's just stand up. Daddy, we just say that we are your bold ones. God, I just thank you that this in this season of apprehending our identities, apprehending who we are, apprehending, apprehending our destinies, apprehending everything that you have for us. God, I thank you that you are teaching us to walk in courage. God, that we will not be bound to the things of this world, but we will grasp the lion of the tribe of Judah in us. Oh, God. So I just say, make us bold. Daddy, I just pray that the desire for boldness so outweighs fear and the lie. God, I just pray that there will just be a thing rise up in us that no longer do we want to stay small. There's not a payoff that we want. We do not want the payoff of being small. We don't want to just keep the fear back that says, what if I mess it up? What if it doesn't work? God, we just say we don't care. We don't care. We don't care. We don't care. So we just say that our lives are yours, completely yours. And so, God, we just say that we don't want to be safe. We don't want to play it safe anymore in any way. We don't want to play it safe. So, God, I just pray over our lips, and I just anoint our lips to speak the bold things that make people nervous. Speak the bold things that make people nervous. God, I just pray like, like, uh, like that, that, that prophet, oh, what's his name? Billy Connor. Billy Connor, when he got in that person's ear and started nibbling his ear. God, I pray that you make us like that. That we be, that we would be ear nibblers. Make us ear nibblers. To where we just don't care. We're willing to risk it. We're willing to risk it. We're willing, we're willing, we're willing. And so we just also just say, God, that we're going to ask you for the big things. We're going to ask you for the big things. And we have faith to back it up because we know who our daddy is. So I just bless these people and I just say, God, we're just giants. We are giants. We're giants. We're giants. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.